0: our living glory. Our living
1: glory by and by. I'll tell love's story, song says, there on high. I just pray that as we live this life down here, as we diligently look towards heaven's glory, that one day we have a story to tell. Uh, the Bible says that we will stand before the judgment bar of God, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, and we will give an account Things that we've done in this body, whether it be good or whether or whether it be evil. I pray we have a good story to tell. By how we have fought the good fight. How we have kept the course, how we have finished the course, rather, we have kept the faith. And knowing that henceforth there's a crown of righteousness that the Lord the righteous judge will give us all in that day.
0: Amen. Thank you. I just want to thank you, Lord. You saved my soul. You saved my soul. You saved my soul. And I just want to. just want to thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's go to Genesis chapter
1: 21. Genesis chapter 21. As we return to our theme, the seeds of the sower, Uh, we ended last Sunday, we were talking, we were getting into the significance of the details of the covenant uh, that God not only established with um, Adam and Eve, when they were in the Garden of the Eden, of Garden of Eden, we also know that God established uh, uh, several covenants throughout the time of man. Uh, surely, when we see the covenant that He established with Adam and Eve, we we know that He established a covenant with Noah. Uh, as Noah entered, entered, into, entered into the ark after the antediluvian period, uh, we know that Noah, once he exited the ark. Uh, with uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives, we we know that Abraham, uh, that uh, Noah rather uh, exited the ark, and he built an altar unto God, and gave God thanks and worshipped him. And we also see that throughout the patriarchal dispensation, we see the men of the households of the families of God uh, were priests in their own homes. Abraham being uh, one of those uh, patriarchal. Uh, individual those individuals of the patriarchal dispensation, and he uh, himself uh, represents uh, the seed of God, and and so he too, you find often uh, throughout the biblical text, uh, demonstrating how he worships and serves God, and we know that Abraham was God's chosen man. God chose him to uh, to leave the land of Ur, where there was much idolatry. There was uh, the the dismissal of the one true God, and uh, God made sure that uh, throughout the beginning of time that the seed that he had planted that would become, if you will, uh, eventually the one that would bruise the head of Satan and defeat Satan. Satan would bruise his heel. We know that is Christ that is being spoken of in prophecy, Uh, but nevertheless that seed is being preserved, and so we, we see Abraham continuing to uh, manifest the attributes and the characteristics of God's uh, good seed. Uh, and it is, it is important for us to understand as we uh, continue to bridge the Old Testament with the New Testament uh, that we too have a covenant, and that covenant, if you will, is the, uh, uh, the one that is the, the evolution of the one that was made uh, from the beginning uh, through Abraham, if you will, through Noah, through Abraham, uh, eventually, the manifestation of the law will come through Moses, and then uh, it all leads us as Galatians chapter three makes it so very clear to Christ uh, But we do see that the idea of the covenant uh, uh, did not uh, begin with the the uh, the concept of uh, of the of the offering of the animal sacrifices which is so prevalent under the Mosaic dispensation um, It really was based on people adhering. Uh, to the truth of God's word. And, and that truth of God's word is the seed, as Luke uh, records, if you will, so eloquently in the gospel according to Luke, that the, uh, the, uh, the, that the seed is the, the word of God. Uh, and so that is what uh, God always, if you will, had uh, perpetuated even from the very beginning, that man had faith in God's word. Amen. Uh, these other things became a manifestation of the faith that was within. Amen. The, the, the fact that uh, Adam and Eve would, uh, would uh, 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 constrain themselves from uh, eating of the tree that was in the midst of the garden uh, was simply a manifestation of their faith in the word that God gave them. And the word that God gave them was that thou shalt not eat of, uh, thou can eat of every tree of the garden except for the one that is in the midst of the garden. Uh, and so they would constrain themselves from doing that. And so that behavior, uh, wasn't the beginning point. The beginning point was the seed of God's word being given, mankind receiving that seed, amen, uh, allowing it to germinate in their spiritual heart and then manifesting that fruit of that seed uh, by constraining themselves from doing that which was against God. Now, we know that when Abraham, Adam and Eve, rather, uh, when they strayed away from God's word, they, they broke his word, they broke his law, they broke his covenant, uh, and, and, and God had promises in that covenant. God said, if thou uh, uh, eat of the tree of, that is in the midst of the garden, he said, thou shalt surely die. That's a promise. Amen. That's a promise. And and when they ate of the tree that was in the midst of the garden, uh, uh, God allowed them, if you will, to die spiritually. Amen. And so God kept his promise. And so uh, every covenant has promises. Every covenant has promises. Noah's covenant had promise. When Noah was instructed by God to build the ark and to, Make it out of gopher wood and he told him how high to build it, how many floors to put in it, how to pitch it inward and outward with tent, how many windows to put at the top and how many doors to put in the side and so on and so forth. God, if you will, had promised that if Noah obeyed his voice that that Noah and his family would be saved and God fulfilled his promise. Noah and his family, the other seven souls, eight in total, when they entered into that ark, God closed the door, and they were able, if you will, to ride out the storms of God's, if you will, uh, uh, destruction of the world uh, during the antediluvian, during the, the time of the of the flood. After the flood, after the antediluvian period, we find ourselves now, mankind, still in a covenant relationship with God. And there is an overarching covenant that I won't speak to this morning, but I'll give it to you for, your, for, your, uh, for your, your further consideration later on in your own studies. Remember, there's something about God's word that we always have to remember. And that is, without God, there is no man. Amen. Remember in Acts chapter 17, when God said, through the writings of Luke, as he recorded Acts 17 and Paul's adventures in Athens. He says something very powerful that sometimes I think we quote it and we quote it. It has substance to it, but we 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 sometimes don't uh, 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 glean from it the, uh, the, the the overarching principle that God has placed uh, before us in that text. In Acts seventeen, when God says, "For it is in God that we live, that we move, and that we have our very being," God has let us know. Amen. That's the overarching covenant of God. Without God, there is no living. There is no having, amen, our very being. It is in God that we have these things. And and, and the wonderful thing about that is it doesn't matter whether or not you are good or you're wicked. (laughs) It is in God that we live, that we move, and that we have our very being. God is the creation of all things. Romans chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1. God helps us understand that that is the overarching covenant. And when we begin to uh, come into a, 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 an understanding of that principle, that, that we live in God, that we, we, we move in God, that we have our very being in God, it is God's hope that man will turn back to him Amen. and out of the world, from the world. But turn back to him. That's why 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 15 says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for all that is in the world is the lust of the eye and the pride of life. But God made it very clear. He says, look, when when, uh, they asked Jesus uh, 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 what is the greatest, uh, first and greatest commandment, Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. It's because it's in God that we live, that we move, and that we have our very being. That is the overarching covenant that God has had with us. And when we turn back to God, God says, if you do these things, Matthew chapter 5, remember the wonderful passage of the Beatitudes? When one turns back to God, God has blessings for us. God has blessings for us when you turn back to God. I remember in the Old Testament, God said when when the people were going through the famine of the land and they couldn't figure out why there was a famine in the land for the primary idea of and Hosea was at a famine because of the, 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 the lack of knowledge of God. But God made it very clear throughout not only Hosea's book, but throughout the other uh, uh, prophet's book. He says something very powerful. He says, if my people who, who are called by my name, amen, would turn to me. God says, I will pour out a blessing from heaven that they cannot receive. Amen. God just wants his people to return back to him. Amen. Amen. He wants his creation to turn back to him. Because truly, he is, as Romans says, he is our creator and we are the created. Every covenant has promises. But when we don't understand those promises, when we don't, when we don't have an, a, a comprehension of those promises, you know, we can become insecure with who we are as people. As God's creation. And you know how, that's play, how that plays out in the Old Testament? Idolatry. When, we don't know who, when you don't know who you are, you don't know whose you are, you find something that helps you feel comfortable. And what they did was God said they turned to idolatry. They created their own God. They created their own image of what they wanted. They wanted to make their own agreement with that God. They established their own relationship with that God, with that idolatry. Because they turned away from the covenant of promise. They turned away from the one true God. Abraham represents this transition. Not only a transition, but a transformation. Because God began to tell Abraham who he is and what he represents. Remember last Sunday we talked about Genesis chapter 17 when God said to Abraham, he said, no longer will your name be called Abram, but it will be called Abraham. No longer will your name be called Sarai, but it will be called Sarah. Let me tell you something. When you get into a relationship with God, God, first of all, begins to tell you who you really are. Come out of the delusion of the world. And let me show you who you really are. Amen. And I wish I had time today, but I'm not. I'm just going to drop this off for our, our, our younger people, Amen. Who who are still, if you will, uh, 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 addressing this 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 uh, uh, the the influences of the world, and still addressing their identity in the world. Let me tell you something. When you come back to the Lord, when you, uh, uh, if you will, seek God and and you begin to understand the promises that God has placed in his covenant, let me tell you something. The world has, if you will, created a a, a, a false image of what God's creation really is. Don't you know God said to Abraham, God said to Sarai, God said to Abram, and God said to Sarai, God said to Abraham, God said to Sarah, what will come out of You are kings and queens. I don't need the world to identify me and who I am. God has already told me who I am. Amen. I'm a king. I'm a king because I'm a child of God. I'm a queen because I'm a child of God. Amen. When when we know God, you you begin to get a sense of who you really are. And you begin to get a sense of your purpose in life. Amen. Amen. But as long as you're out there in the world, people are going to try to frame and to give you an identity that they want you to have. That they want you to associate with. As opposed to you getting to understand who God is and getting the identity that God gave. The covenant of promise helps us to make that transition and that transformation. Because remember, when we look at Abraham uh, in Genesis chapter 21, remember one of the things that uh, Abraham was struggling with was that God was able to do some things uh, that, uh, uh, that he didn't believe could be done. He didn't believe that God was going to give him a child. Amen. He didn't believe that God was going to bless him and Sarai with a seed. In their old age. But God made it very clear. That what may be impossible with man. Is never impossible. With the Lord. Amen. And the reason why this is so important is because we need to understand. That all of us have come out of the world. All of us have come out of the world. And, 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 and in the world we were we were chasers of idolatry. You might as well say amen when you can. Amen. We were chasers of idolatry. But when we obeyed the gospel, we came into the Lord, we realized that that, that wasn't where we were supposed to be, and that's not how we were supposed to live. And so we changed our lives. And we became different. We became God's chosen people because clarity set in. We began to see. As God would have us to see, the wonderful song that we used to sing, I once was blind, but now I see. When we were in the world, we were blind. We were blind to the covenant of promise. We were blind to who God is. The devil made sure that he kept us in the shadows. He kept the bag over our head. Amen. He didn't want us to see what the true light is. He didn't want us to see, if you will, what it meant to be the light of the world. Amen. A city that cannot be healed. He didn't want us to see that we are, look look at what he says. He says, when you come into the the realization of who you are as my creation, you become the light of the world. A lot of people, we look to the, we look to the firmaments of the air and we look at the, the clouds that gather. Like recently over, these, over the last couple of weeks, we've been having these flash storms. And, and as I was meditating on, on my lesson and, 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 and experiencing God's creation, we, we, we heard the, 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 we saw the lightning strike. And then we hear the rumbling of the thunder that followed. And I said to myself, you know, a lot of people would probably think that that lightning is really powerful. Because science has given us all this information about how the electricity from lightning, how it destroys and burns and and tear down things and so on and so forth. But you know, there's a light that's more powerful than lightning. That's the child of God. The child of God is more powerful than lightning because, see, lightning may be able to destroy material objects, but lightning can't do anything to the soul. Lord have mercy, I think I said something. When God says that we are the children of the covenant, when we get clarity to who we are, you get a strength, a spiritual strength that helps you to understand that your purpose of here uh, uh, and being here in this time side of life is not about the material things that you may be able to to possess and the things that you may be able to uh, uh, gather. It is about how many souls you can influence because only the light of God. Can change the destination of man's soul. And God has given, God has given us that responsibility as his seed. And the clarity of this comes so very quickly when 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 God speaks to Abraham, and, and he'll also speak to us as we go to Ephesians 4 and 5 in a moment, but but when he, when he speaks to, to in, in Genesis chapter 24, let me let me show you something here. In Genesis chapter 24, look what he says. Uh, when when he, God has spoken to Abraham, he says, look, I need I, I I'd already I desired you to walk before me. And he says, I want you to uh, to be perfect. Uh, I want you to walk before me and be perfect. God has already said that to Abraham. In Genesis 24 and 40, he he emphasizes a matter. I'm going to start from verse number 36 because there's something here I want you to pick up. Well, I'm going to start from verse number 35, and, and I want you to pick up on something here. In Genesis 30, uh, uh, 24 and 35, 24 and 35, Genesis. And the Lord has blessed my master greatly, and, and he has become great. And he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men and servants and maid servants and, and camels and that. Let me tell you something. God can give you all this stuff. But that ain't his focus. That's not God's focus. God shall supply all of our needs. God gives us what we need, not what we want. And when you have the covenant of clarity, you understand that the greatest thing that we need in this life is a relationship with God. God said, that's the greatest thing that you need. It's the greatest thing that you need because, see, many times we think, you know, as we walk through this life, you know, a a lot of people want to think, okay, you live and you die and that's the end of it. That is not the end of it. As a matter of fact, that's a very small part of it. How do you know that? Because, see, life after this life is called eternity. That's how I know that this life is just a very small part of it. Because it doesn't matter how long you live on this side, time side of life, guess what? It doesn't close, come close to eternity. Amen. So I know this life is a very small part of it. But the life after this life is eternity. And the question is whether or not we're going to spend eternity in heaven with the Lord or spend eternity in hell with the devil. Amen. The Bible says, look, verse 36. And Sarah, my master's wife, a son to my master when she was old. God had already proven that Sarah was going to have a child. Amen. When she was old. And unto him had he given all that he had. God fulfilled his promise. God fulfilled his promise. When you get into a covenant relationship with God, God's going to fulfill his promise. Remember, Peter already said, 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, God is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, wishing none to perish, but that all should come unto repentance. God's going to fulfill his promises, And he promised us a crown of life that fadeth not away if we live faithful unto death. He goes on in verse number 37. And my master made me swear, saying saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, But thou shalt go unto my father's house and and to my kindred and and take a wife unto my son and and said unto my master peradventure, I said rather, unto my master peradventure, the woman will not follow me. And he said unto me, the Lord before whom the Lord before whom I walk will send an angel with thee. And prosper thy way. And thou shalt take a wife for my son of my kindred and of my father's house. The Lord before whom I walk. Abraham has declared his position. It is before the Lord that I walk. And I walk so before the Lord because I want it to be known, Abraham says. I understand when God says that, 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 that his covenant shall be with me and, the, and, and, and it shall perpetuate throughout all generations. I understand that in order for that to take effect, I need to be the one who walks before the Lord. For those who come after me will see the, 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 the blessing of the relationship that the Lord uh, has uh, uh, enabled us to have with him. He will bless you. He will bless me. The angels of the Lord watches over us. Perhaps that's why Jesus says, be careful how you treat people other people because you might be entertaining an angel on a Be careful how you treat other folk. Amen. Now it ain't your business about whether or not it is an angel or not because God says you don't walk by sight you walk by faith. But God said look I am still a present God. Be careful how you treat one another because you might be entertaining an angel on a Lord have mercy. I wish I had time to deal to deal with uh, Genesis uh, 18 and, and, and 19 and where where Lot is in Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot doesn't know that the Lord is getting ready to destroy some stuff but Lot sees, three men coming into the city and knowing the condition of the city Lot tells them turn into my house he doesn't know who they are he doesn't know, he doesn't know that these men are angels of the Lord he doesn't know he, but, but Lot understands that when wickedness is about somebody has to do what's right the child of God in the midst of wickedness, in the midst of wickedness, the child of God becomes the light. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Turn into my house. Don't, 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 don't wander in the street. It ain't safe in the, st- young people, turn into the house. It ain't safe in the street. It ain't safe in the street. I wish somebody would have had a strong influence on me when I was younger to keep me out of the street. Lord have mercy. I'll start talking about that, I'll be here all day. But Lot said, turn into the street. And do you know the blessing of this whole matter? God sent angels into into the city. Lot didn't know who they were. But he was willing to entertain these individuals in order that they might be saved and not consumed by the wickedness in the street. Lord have mercy. Be careful who you entertain, be careful how you treat people, because you might be entertaining an angel unawares. And when Lot entertained these angels, look what happens. Abraham had already, the child of God, Abraham, had already negotiated in a sense with the Lord. Because God told Abraham, I'm going to go and I'm going to see whether or not what I'm hearing is, is actually taking place in Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to go down there and I'm going to see what's happening down there in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm going to see what's happening. But Abraham said, my, 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 my blood is in Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot's in Sodom. And so he didn't say that specifically to the Lord, but the Lord knew who he was talking about. Per if you find ten souls will you destroy the city? If I find 10, I won't destroy the city. Now, Now you have to understand, God is not slack concerning his promises because 10 folk didn't leave the city. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Now, remember, if he had found 10, then God was bound not to destroy the city. They've brought in Lot. And as God's covenant of promise, as God is the good God that he is, he could have destroyed all of them. He could have because he didn't find ten. He didn't find ten. But he saw the righteousness of Lot. And he tells Lot, he says, look, this is what, and, and look at the blessing of the Lord. The Lord didn't have to do this, but look what he does. He, and, 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 and when he says to him, uh, uh, you can read your study when you get time, but, but when he says to him, I want you to go and tell your family. Get all your family together. Get everybody who you can get together, because y'all going to have to get out of here. Because I'm about to tear this place up. But I can't do anything until tell you out of here. Now I want you to see something here because there's something powerful coming. and I know y'all think I'm talking about a lot but I'm really talking about us. Lord have mercy. Because see God going to tear this place up. But he ain't going to tear it up until the good seed is gone. Lord have mercy. That's why Paul tells In the Thessalonian text, when Paul tells us, look, that, that on that day of rapture, when the Lord, if you will, catches us up in the air with him, God's going to rain fire, not water. That's why I don't care about it raining. It can thunder and lightning all it wants. Lord, let it rain. But when I saw it, seen fire and not water, I'm going to have a problem. Because that means I've been left behind. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Amen. So let it rain. Amen. Well, Lord, if you get ready to send fire, do me like you did Lot. <laughs> Take me out of here first. Amen. Lord have mercy. But see, whereby you may entertain an angel unawares. The good seed in the light of the Lord Continually manifests itself not only in what it does, but in how it perpetuates that love of God. Abraham made sure that Isaac, his son, would continue to move forward in the same manner as he did, and as Sarah did. Now, I, I don't want to get this twisted because sometimes we 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 think because of the 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 characters in the stories of the Bible, we think sometimes that all these individuals were perfect and that they had no sin, and that is not the case. That's why repentance is in the Bible. You see, we're not perfect beings, but we're going to do like Paul. Not that I've obtained perfection, but this one thing I do, I press forward. Toward the high mark of the calling which is in Christ Jesus. So I might not be perfect, but I'm going to press forward. I'm going to stay in the way that I know I need to go. And that is to look toward the Lord. I may stumble along the way. But when I stumble, I'm going to let the seed of God's word, the truth of God's word, correct my steps. So I can return to the way. So I can walk before him. Abraham tells his servant, I want you to go find a wife for my son and I want you to want to make sure that you take this wife from from among God's people. And I want you to make me a promise that you will do such a thing because, see, I walk before the Lord. But what in case the Lord ain't going to do this? The Lord will send an angel. When you have clarity about the covenant relationship that you have, when you are in the midst of challenges and problems of life, let me encourage you to do one thing. Turn to the Lord. Because even if you don't know that you're entertaining an angel, God knows how to help you in the midst of your, tri- in the midst of your trials and tribulations. God will send an angel. It's a strange thing how how we get through so many things, and help comes from places that you could never imagine them com- it, it coming from. But yet it comes, and then you sit back and you say, "Well, where did this come from? I didn't see this coming. It ain't supposed to be you seeing it coming." Because God knows who to send, Amen, Amen. to help in the time of trouble. God knows who to send. When it came that time to fight the devil, God sent Michael. Let me tell you something. You got to say all the angels and divine beings in heaven, God sent Michael. God sends
0: Gabriel.
1: God knows who to send. God knows who to send. Angels have been here before. They know the way back and forth. Lord have mercy. May entertain an angel on and the and the And the blessing of this, as I transition back to Genesis 21, the blessing of this is, is that the angels were the ones that saved Lot's life. The covenant of promise. When we're seeking to be God's people and to do what God has asked us to do, and we strive to walk worthy, before God God knows how to save us and he can save us in the midst of all of this because sometimes you get discouraged you get you get you, you how can the lord with all this going on how can the lord say let me tell you something god knows how to save and to separate the chaff from the wheat god knows those that are his so I don't worry about all the trials and tribulations. I, what I focus on is getting through them. Because I know God knows how to save us. Let me, let me, let me make a quick transition here as we as we go back to Genesis uh, 21, and then I'm going to go to uh, Ephesians uh, uh, quickly here. But in Ephesians 21, uh, Genesis 21. So God says, as was read in our hearing, as we just saw manifested in Genesis 24, verse number 2, Genesis 21 and 2, for Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Now, I'm going to read this again because, see, sometimes we have these old adages and we use them and we use them because we've heard them so often, and we, and we try to make meaning of them. And, and one of the adages we always, uh, uh, always use, God, he doesn't come when you want him. But he's always on time. He's always on time. Now you know why. Because God knows how to keep his promises. He may not come when you think he should come, but he's always on time. He's always on time. The Bible tells us at that set time of which God had spoken to him, that's when Sarah conceived. At that set time, and Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And in verse number four, Abraham made sure that he did what God had uh, agreed to When he set the covenant relationship in place. The Bible says that Abraham took Isaac and he circumcised him only eight when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. The the, the idea that we would enter into a covenant relationship with God and not keep the commandments or the statutes or the judgments of the covenant is foolishness. It's foolishness. We we say we believe in the Bible. We say we believe in God's word. We say we believe in the the Lord Jesus. We say we believe in the church. But then we want to change all of the commandments to fit our needs or our weaknesses. Abraham and God understood the covenant relationship. And God had commanded Abraham to circumcise every male child, whether that child was bought with money or they became part of your household, however they became part of the family, you were supposed to circumcise them because they were all a part of the covenant agreement. And if they were not to be a part of the covenant agreement, they would not be a part of the household. Now, why is that so powerful? because we make arguments that people really don't understand about the watery grave of baptism because we don't, we don't, we don't understand the covenant of promise. We even think baptism is some type of, you know, maybe we, maybe the Church of Christ is somebody just has an affinity with water. Let me tell you something. My affinity with water is a hot bath with bubbles in it. Amen. Baptism isn't about The flesh. It's about the spirit. It is about the covenant relationship that the church of Christ has with the family of God. And and just like Abraham was commanded by God to circumcise, we are commanded by God to baptize. For the remission of sin. Well, you don't really have to do that. Well, who told you that? Because the covenant of promise says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. That's what the covenant relationship says. So who are we to say, oh, no, you don't have to do that. That's not necessary. The Bible says, the Bible teaches us in Hebrews chapter 10, and and, and the Bible also teaches us in in, in Acts chapter 20. And it it teaches us in many different places where we come together in Acts chapter 2 upon the first day of the week. And we worship God upon the first day of the week. Who are we to say that we don't? When the covenant relationship says that we do. And it is command. Upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread. Paul preached until midnight. Do you, do, are you with me this morning? Yeah. I'm trying to get us to understand the covenant of promise. The covenant of promise is connected to obedience, yeah. and obedience is connected to faith. Yeah. You, can't, you can't, Abraham, by faith, Abraham. All right, Ephesians chapter 4. I'm, I'm running out of time. Boy, that clock. My watch is running fast. Let me let me let me let me get to let me, let me show you two things. First of all, let's go to Ephesians chapter five. I, I got to get to the point about the light, and we are the children of the light. And then I'm gonna I, I'm gonna show you about this this covenant of promise in Hebrews. So Ephesians chapter five, look what he says. Now Ephesians four says walk worthy. So you, you've gotten that connection. But why walk worthy? You see, why walk worthy? Ephesians 4 says, brethren, I beseech you, therefore, as a, uh, uh, if you will, that you walk worthy of this vocation wherein ye have been called. But why? Why walk worthy? God gives us, he, Paul writes in Ephesians 4, he gives us all the principles of our relationship with God. How God sent messengers here. How God left Uh, uh, leadership roles and and those leadership roles have to guide us into the head and bring us unto Christ. But why walk worthy? Why? See that's Ephesians chapter 5. Because see we're all in the midst of this madness. Just like Lot was in the midst of the madness. Just like Abraham was in the midst of idolatry. and Lot was in the midst of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. We're in the midst of what we're into in the world. We're in the midst of it. We're in the middle of this stuff. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 1, Paul writes to the church at an Ephesus and he says, Look, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. Lord have mercy. In love with who? In love with the Lord. Walk in love as Christ. Also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. But fornication, all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. These saints are the people of God. These saints are the light of the world, as becometh saints. These these things that you used to do in the world, they don't become you, because you're not you. You may be uh, 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 in the world, but you're not of the world. You've changed. Your life has changed. Look what he says. Look at the power. Verse number four. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Verse number 5, Ephesians 5 and 5. For this you know, that no homemonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is a, what an idolater. Wait a minute, that sounds like Abraham. That's what he came out of. Came out of idolatry. God has associated all these things that he just listed with idolatry. Lord have mercy. He says, Look, know ye not that no covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God? Now, this is is why Abraham did what he did. We'll get to Abraham in a second. We'll get back to him in Hebrews. But this is what he says to us, the church, in the Christian dispensation, under the Christian economy, under our dispensation, under the dispensation of Christ. Let no man deceive you with vain words. Vain means empty words, words that have no substance. And for our master's class, words that are unhealthy, not sound. Unhealthy, unsound. Don't let man deceive you with vain words. We say all the time, you know, Brother Hogan used to say, you know, we speak where the Bible speaks and we're silent where the Bible is silent. But, you know, that exact phrase is found nowhere in Scripture. But you know what he's summing up? A core principle of the covenant of promise. The phrase that he's using to support that 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 that, that uh, 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 grammatical construction of speaking, where the Bible speaks and be silent, where the Bible is silent, is actually in First Corinthians, in when in First Corinthians chapter two, where he says, "We we compare spiritual things with spiritual words." That's what the te- that's what the phrase is for. And so when, when people talk about things that are spiritual, when they talk about the covenant relationship, when they talk about how, what man has this type of relationship with God, the first thing you should do is, okay, well, show me. Because until you show me, that's just where it's coming out your mouth. And back in the day, we used to say people can talk out the both sides of their necks. I never understood all that meant, but... So you got to show, otherwise it's just, it's empty. If, if it's not part of the covenant of promise, then, then it's hard for me to receive what you're saying. Amen. That's what people should be looking for. Because if you want the relationship that God wants man to have, then we got to come back to the covenant that has promises. And I, and I don't know about you, but I want to be saved. Amen. I want to be saved. When, when, when John... When John talks about people burning in hell, you know, I, I just don't get a thrill about, about knowing that. You know, I, I don't want to burn in hell. You know, I, I just don't. And, and, and just to get the, 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 the I guess, the, the, the foreshadowing of what that looks like when God shows us the image of Abraham, Lazarus, and the rich man in, the, in, in hell, in the, in the Tartarus hell. Not the Gehenna hell. Gehenna hell is for everybody at the end of this judgment. But the Tartarus hell is a place of suffering. Amen. Until judgment. But guess what? Tartarus ain't too much different than the Gehenna hell because you still suffer. Amen. One In the midst of this process of eternity, we find the rich man, the Bible says, in hell he lifted up his eyes, and he says to Father Abraham, tell Lazarus, now I'm going to show you the level of this suffering, because he didn't ask for a glass of water with ice in it. That's not what he asked for. That's not what he asked for. He said, go. He said, tell Lazarus. And this is the level of suffering. Sometimes we we miss the we miss the imagery, because we're reading fast. He said, "Dip his finger." He look. I'm, I'm not asking for a glass. I'm not asking for a full cup. I'm not even look. I'm not. I'm, I'm not even asking for a cap. I, I just want him to, to, to dip his finger. That's all he was asking for. That should show you or give you the impression of a a level of suffering that you don't want to even think about. And Abraham came back and said, while you were here, on the face of the earth, you had everything that you wanted. Everything you desired, you had it. But now that you realize that this life is temporal and eternity is forever, now you want Lazarus who had nothing. You want Lazarus to take up his time of peace to go dip his finger in a pool of water because you're suffering down there. Let me tell you something, that imagery right there is encouragement enough to know that I'm going to follow after God's covenant of promise. Because I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. But let me come back to Ephesians 5. So he says that no man should inherit thee who is an idolater will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. In verse number 6, let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience disobedience this is the imagery of what the devil did in Ephesians chapter uh, chapter uh, 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 2 we were once children of disobedience walking after principalities and the powers of the air yes we hung out with the devil amen I would say something else but I might get myself in trouble Some, some something some some meat some meat you're not ready for Verse number 7 says, be not ye therefore partakers with them. With who? With the devil. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes, and this is the power of it, you were sometimes darkness. That meant that you had no association with the light. No relationship with the light. Probably no concept of the light. No conscious realization of what the light is or what you could even become. But then he says, look, you were sometimes darkness. And I love this because he sometimes means that there's a chance. There's a chance. There's a chance. There's a chance chance for each and every one of us to be saved. There's a chance. There's a chance. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Look at the power of light. Somebody thinks that lightning is powerful. No. It may have material power but it has no spiritual power because God has given that power to the child of God. And he says that the child of God is light in the Lord. And look what he says, walk as children of light. Do you see the power of your influence in the world? When you know who you are and you're walking before God and people are witnessing your life and, and they're seeing how even through the midst of struggle, you still hold on to your faith in God. And then God, if you will, somehow you come out of your struggles and, and you continue to walk, if you will, in the Lord. So whether even when you're in the valley of your struggles, you're walking with the Lord. When you're on the top of the mountain of your struggles, you're walking with the Lord. This is because you are a child of the light. And we are to walk before the Lord in that way. And when the world sees us, somebody, maybe not everybody, but somebody is going to ask the question. How is it that you can continue to do the things that you do in the midst of all that we are dealing with? And your response is, because I'm a child of the light. And I know that God is able send an angel. Ephesians 5 and 9, he goes on and says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. John 17, 17, we quote it all the time. Sanctify them through thy truth. thy, Thy word is truth. And Luke says that the word is the seed of God. In verse number 10, he goes on and says, "Proving." He says, "Proving, what is that good and acceptable and what, what is acceptable, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them." light is here to expose stuff light purifies things light is able to separate the unclean elements of a material from the clean elements of a material light is able to synthesize to purify Light is able to clarify. And when you understand that the covenant of God's word came from the light of which we are a part of, of which we are a part of, we now become a walking epistle. That purifies the consciousness of mankind. Because let me tell you something: you can reject what God has to present, but you that you can reject it, but you rejecting it doesn't mean that you're not going to be judged by it. Second uh, in uh, in Hebrews, if you will, chapter eleven. Abraham tells us something very powerful as he as he went on his journey, looking. To keep the commandments of the Lord and and obey God. Paul writes about Abraham and he and he, and he, he he follows Abraham with uh, a story. Uh, uh, he precedes the story of Abraham with Noah, uh, and you know I I, I I I have mentioned Enoch before and how Enoch uh, was translated and and was found not, and prior to Enoch, we find uh, Abel, the faith of Abel. And so we see all of these covenants that God had established and how man, through the dis- different dispensations of time and their generations, would hold on to God's covenant. But, 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 but for the moment, if you will, in Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to drop down to verse number 8, but when you get time, read all of verse 11. But in verse number 8, I want you to see here what Abraham is recounting, uh, that uh, uh, Paul is recounting concerning Abraham. Hebrews 8, 11 and 8 says, by faith. Abraham. When he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out not knowing whether he went. Now, The power of this is, Abraham did this by faith. God God didn't have to show him anything, but he did this by faith. And so we as children of God, when when, when God speaks to us through his word, God expects us to respond by faith. When we say Romans 10 and 17 now, perhaps that would have more meaning for you. When we say, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because when God spoke to Abraham, Abraham moved by faith. When God spoke to Noah, Noah moved by faith. When God spoke to Enoch, Enoch moved by faith. When God spoke to Abel, Abel moved by faith. When the word of God comes to us through the covenant of the promise, which is God's word, we need to respond with faith. With faith. I don't know all the, brother, I just don't know, Brother Copa, all I need to know about the church. God didn't ask you to know all that you need to know about the church. And guess what? None of us in here know all we need to know about the church. And some of us have been here quite a while. Amen. I ain't going to start pointing no fingers. We still have a vanity with our age. Abraham was old and didn't have a problem being called old. Amen. And Sarah was 127. When she passed, she didn't have a problem being called old either. Now we get to our 50s and I'm old. I'm going to leave that alone. God has given us Abraham as an example to show us that our faith is not based on everything we need to know. It's the beginning of a journey to get to know. We don't know all that we need to know about God, but every day that we live by faith, by the covenant of promises, by the covenant of of promise, we're getting to know God a little bit better. That's why Paul says, Not that I've obtained perfection, but this one thing I do. I press forward. I press forward. That's why Paul says at the end of his life, I know, Paul says, in whom I have believed. And I know he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. And that's why Paul can say, I I fought a good fight. I, I finished my course. I kept the faith. Paul didn't say he knew everything he needed to know about God but he knew what God revealed unto him to know. And that which was revealed unto him to know, know, he shared it with us. Abraham said, he knew that he was going to receive an inheritance because God had made a promise that he would receive an inheritance. And God has made a promise to the church, to the children of the light, That we will receive an inheritance. And that inheritance will be based on the consequences of the choices that we make. You can read Jeremiah 26 and 4 when you get time, but I'm going to close in this text. Go to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to close in this text. In Romans chapter 8, look what he says. And I'm going to start at verse number 1 because that brings us to a a launching point next time when we come together. God bless us to live. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 1, there is now therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now, who's in Christ Jesus? The children of the light. We already read that. We We already got that information. We understand who's in Christ. There's no darkness in Christ. If you choose to live in darkness, you need to question whether or not you are in Christ. Amen. He said those are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after, who walk not after. We walk after Christ. We walk worthy right of this vocation wherein we have been called. Abraham says, I walk before the Lord. Amen. He says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. But after the spirit. For the law. Of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 6. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Verse number 3 says look. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Amen. That's where our walk is. When you, when, 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 when you become a child of light, when you become part of the covenant of promise, your walk changes. Amen. Your walk changes. And, and and when and when you know it is it, it, back in the day. You no know, all of us have a certain gape in our walk. Amen. Lord have mercy. Your walk changes. Lord have mercy. You don't drag your foot like you, you know. Your walk changes. Amen. You know, you don't have to walk leaning to the side, you know. Your walk changes when you become a child of God. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't try to act like y'all don't know. Your walk changes. Your walk changes because now you are a child of the light. Your walk changes. And your walk is changing because you know that there's a promise that is, it, it has been, if you will, placed before you that you can inherit if you walk as children of God. And so Paul says in Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to drop down very quickly here. I have to leave this text, and I'm done. Look what he says. Drop down to verse number 14. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, verse number 12. Went down too far. Verse number 12. Look what he says. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. But if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you live through the Spirit, wait a minute, we walk after the Spirit, so we're going to live. If we walk after the Spirit, walk after the covenant of promise, but if through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, see your walk changes. Mortify means to put to death the deeds of the body, the deeds of the flesh. You put it to death, your walk changes. Ye shall live. Verse number 14. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Father, Father. The spirit itself now bears witness of something. And this is where I'm closed. The spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, if children of the light, if heirs of the covenant of promise, he says this makes us, because we are light in the Lord, we are light in Christ Jesus, if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Covenant of promise. Abraham started this whole thing. Paul tells us in the Galatians text, That it was because of Abraham and his giving of his only son. His only son. Remember, this is before Moses. Abraham gave his only son. Abel wasn't presented as a living sacrifice. Enoch wasn't presented as a living sacrifice. Noah wasn't presented as a living sacrifice. But Abraham took his only son, Isaac, in whom the seed, in whom the seed dwelled, Because remember, God had promised Abraham that it was in his seed that all the world would be blessed. Now, I'm going I'm to give you the foreshadowing of this because we're going to get to Isaac next time as we continue the consequences of choice. Do you not know if Abraham had not given Isaac or presented Isaac as a sacrifice? There was going to be some challenges. Because then that mean, that meant that there would have to be now somebody else who was going to be able to do that. God's promise, God's, God's plan would have been all upended. But Abraham, and this is what God says about Abraham. He says, Abraham, when he got ready to to sacrifice Isaac, he says to Abraham, Abraham, do him no harm. Because now I know that since you have not withheld your son, your only begotten son, that you will keep my covenant. And I will surely bless thee and all those that come after thee. In Isaac, we find the image of Christ. Because God gave his only begotten son to die on Calvary's cross. And if it were not for the death of Christ, there would be no reason for us to be here today. Because there would be no way to heaven. But because the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him, faith in his son, should have everlasting life. Romans 10 and 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but it means the word of Christ. And Hebrews 11 and 6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a reward of those that diligently seek him. The Bible says that repentance is necessary. Because Luke 13, 3 and 5 says, I tell you nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Acts 17 and 30, God commandeth every man everywhere to repent. We need to confess Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. Romans 10 and 9, with the mouth we confess Christ Jesus. Romans 10 and 10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We go down in the watery grave of baptism because baptism is part of the covenant of promise. And it's a commandment that we must be baptized. Mark 16, 15 and 16 says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that Believe it not, shall be damned. It's time for you to come. And and, 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 and that is the the plan of salvation that God has unfolded in his covenant of promise. Book, chapter, and verse. Book, chapter, and verse. But you may be here, you are a member of the body of Christ, the church of Christ, and, and, and the struggles of life may have caused you to step out of the way. This is your time to step back in the way. Step back in the way. Come back into the covenant of promise. Let the Spirit bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. And then heirs, and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. It's time for you to come back to the Lord. You can pray for yourself, but you can ask for forgiveness for yourself. As a child of God, we have that wonderful privilege of the covenant of promise. We can go to God and ask for forgiveness on our own. But if you need for us to pray for you, you can come, we'll pray for you. We'll pray with you that you can get your life back on track with the Lord. If you need to do that, you need to come. If you haven't obeyed the gospel, you must come so that at the end of this life, you can receive a crown of righteousness if you are faithful unto death that fadeth not away. Why don't you come? Become a part of the covenant of promise. Why don't you come right now as we stand and sing the imitational song. Why don't you come?